You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Uh, it's great to see the brothers up there singing and the sisters singing this morning. I, uh, yeah, if we're going to clap, we're going to clap right there. We got to give all of our heart if we're going to give any of it. Amen. And uh, I, was incre- I was incredibly encouraged by uh, just seeing all the brothers all dressed up right there and ready to sing. And the new additions that we have, we have Jamal up there singing and we got David Horgan up there singing right there. And uh, of course, uh, it's just great having the sisters and it's great being at church, being able to sing to God. But uh, of course, we have uh, someone visiting with us today that we've got to be, uh, make special note of. And her name is an awesome name. It's an awesome name because it's my mother's name. Uh, her name is Patricia and she is the sister of Rosalind Kukoyi right over there, Mama Kukoyi. And Patricia is the woman in back with the beautiful gold right there. And uh, she came to me and just says, hey, I'm visiting today. I just wanted to come see the London International Christian Church. So wrap your arms around her. She's visiting with us today. And of course, I see a few other faces visiting. And uh, you know, our goal is for you to feel loved. Feel loved and encouraged by God. Now, God's love and how we define love are two different things. So we always go with what the Bible teaches right there. Uh, But prayerfully today, you feel the love of God as we have our church service today. Now, I've just got to lift up the London International Christian Church. Uh, Of course, if you hear a little bit of frog in my voice, I did get a little ill and uh, I got a little sick. But uh, what what, what encouraged me was all the love of the disciples. Uh, Every, every night there was a different disciple coming to me showing their love. Uh, I had uh, Kia and the campus sisters showing on up to bring meals to me and my wife, given the fact that we just had little Mia Grace just showing that love. Uh, we've got an incredible amount of fruit. Uh, we got a couple of different uh, items from uh, our sister Tiffin. She's got that beautiful garden out there in Oxford, and Tiffin brought us fruit and all these little cool little items and gave a gift just showing her love to us. And uh, different disciples just coming on over each night. Some nights we're like, wow, what are you guys doing? here. We're here to love you, brother. <laughs> like, awesome. This is incredible. And uh, of course, being sick, you know, one thing that can get you healed on up is a good home cooked meal right there. And so I've been surviving on Rugi's rice for about a week and a half right there, baby. Rugi's rice has been healing my soul. I mean, it, it's soul food right there. Amen. And uh, but uh, on a serious note, me and my wife want to thank the London International Christian Church. We want to thank you guys for your love, for for taking care of us, for looking after us during this time and giving us the chance to really adjust with our our little baby there, Mia, and serving us and coming over and cooking and being willing to do anything just to protect us and take care of us. Your love has not gone unnoticed. It has totally impacted me. It's impacted my my, my, my little baby right there. And it's impacted, of course, my lovely wife. So I want to thank the London International Christian Church for all your love. It means a lot. Love is love is powerful. Love is lo- love is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about love, and so we're going to dig on in here in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Actually, no. Ephesians chapter three. In verse fourteen, he says, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family." in heaven and on earth derives its name. I love the way God talks to Paul through well, God through Paul, talks to the Ephesians. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So if God's family is in earth, is in heaven, it's also in earth. Right here he's talking about the kingdom not only being in heaven but the kingdom being a present reality in the disciples that were on earth of that day. Are you guys with me there? He says, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his holy, through his spirit in your inner being. And of course when you're coughing up all kinds of stuff. This prayer means a lot to you. I was praying that God would strengthen me in my inner being right there. Amen? So so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power 
together with all the saints. He says this is something not just for one disciple. All the saints need to grasp this. To grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Says it's beyond just some intellectual thought or knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Of course, this passage right here makes me think of any sister in the church that gives birth. And of course, my wife, just doing immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine by, by being that, that incredible, incredible mother right there. According to his power that is, it, that is in work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the church said, Amen. this is such a powerful passage right here. Paul just reminds the church about one singular topic that they got a grasp. Love. Dare we say, really, at the end of the day, it's all about love. Yes. It's all about your love for God. It's all about your love for the Word of God. It's all about your love for the calling of God. It is all about love. And I love what he says here. He tells the entire church they need to grasp something. He says you need to grasp how wide is the love of God. He says God's love is so awesome. It's wide enough to evangelize the nations in one generation. That's how wide God's love is. God will go all the way over to the Philippines. He will go all the way over to Nigeria. He will go all the way over to America. He'll go down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. That's how wide God's love is. He'll even make a little stop for vacation down in Curacao. See, God's love stretches. He's got enough love to evangelize the nations in one generation. That's how wide his love is. And he told the church, you've you got to grasp how wide God's love is. He says God's love is not only wide, he says God's love is high. He says God's love is high enough to forgive anybody's sin. Of course, if we stack our sins up, we know in our Bible studies that we talk about the little piles of sin and how high they get. And we compare each other, each brother as we're doing our Bible studies. Well, if you stack this brother's sins up, they'd be this high. If you stack this brother's sins up, they'd be this And if you stack this brother's, they'd be this high. And of course, you know, you, you, you can see the analogy there with Jock saying, okay, you stack up my sins, they're this high. You stack up, uh, 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 you, you stack up, Sean Corrigan's sins, oh, they're this high. But then you stack up Jason Green's sins, oh my gosh. Jason Green's sins, I mean, the, you forget the color green when you see how high. But Paul says you need to understand God's love is high enough to forgive everybody's sin. That's how high God's love is. It doesn't matter what you've done. Even Paul, who wrote this, he killed people. He was a murderer. Of course, we read every day how people have been killed and killed people. You pick up the metro, you see some grueling, some very gruesome stories. And yet Paul was a guy who committed a murder. How'd you like that if someone you read about in the paper who had committed a murder, several murders, studied the Bible and became a disciple? That would be intense, would it not? But he says God's love is high enough to forgive anybody's sin. He says God's love is also not only high enough, he says it's deep. Yeah. Woo, God's love is deep, baby. Amen. He says God's love is deep. It's very deep. It can go way down and heal any wound. Amen. That's how deep God's... And of course, we know that everybody... You get to talk to people, there's some, some deep scars that can be left on your heart as you live what's called life. Not just a Christian life, but just life in general. You look at how people have lived, and you see that there are scars. There are all kinds of scars. There's abuse. Physical, sexual, mental. Drug abuse. There's some deep wounds that happen in the family. 
There's some deep wounds that happen to little girls. And sadly, there are deep wounds that happen to little boys. You say, how do you know that? Well, just pick up a newspaper. But more importantly, I think about the deep wounds in my life. Yeah. The, the abandonment, being left at 14 years old in the building, no lights, no water, no nothing, just, just, just there. What do I do, God? And yet God's love healed that deep wound in my heart. The wound of bitterness. That's how, that's how awesome, that's how deep God goes. God will go way down there and can heal those deep wounds in your heart. That's, that's God's love. You guys still with me right here? Yeah. That's, how, that's how deep his love is. And he says, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now we hear that and we just go, wow, man, God, God's love is awesome. God's love is so awesome, he'll allow any sin to be forgiven. He'll heal anything. It stretches all around the world. Isn't God's love amazing? That's why we sing Amazing Grace. We're so fired up. We're so amazed that he would forgive people like us. That we all could come together and be called men and women of God. That, that, that is amazing. God's love is high. God's love is wide. God's love is deep. But that's God. So then the question's got to be asked, how about your love? How wide is your love? How wide is it? How high is it? And how deep? Is it high enough to forgive anybody of anything they've done to you? Is it wide enough to say, I'm willing to crush my dreams for the dream of God? See, a lot of people think the kingdom was built on everybody's dream. No, the kingdom is built on crushed dreams. People willing to crush their dream because of their love for God. Are you guys with me here? How wide is your love? How high is it? How deep is it? Do you deeply love not only other people, but some of us just got to learn to love ourselves. Yeah. And not look down on ourselves and beat ourselves up. We're just going to talk about love today. Are you guys with me here? Because I put before you one of the most powerful, the most powerful force yeah. is love. Turn to Psalm of Psalms, chapter 8. A book that most singles do not know where it is. <laughs> Song of Psalms, chapter 8. It's right before uh, Isaiah. This is a love book. We're going to talk about love today. How many of you are in love? Okay, all right, okay. There's some in love right there. I see, I mean, you look at Jeanette Grinwald right there. She, she's in love right there. She comes walking on in, all looking like a shepherd and everything. And, you know, I said, sis, you better watch out looking like a shepherd like that. You're going you're gonna to mess around and get, get anointed right there. And, Jock, you the same right there. But Jeanette walked in with that little, little radiance about her. She's confident. She's in love right there. Love is awesome. Love is special. We, we love love. It's amazing. And yet, Solomon, who had about 700 wives, he learned a few things about love. Who not to love. Who to love. We can learn from Solomon about love. He writes this entire book about the power of it. He says here, in verse 6, Place me like a seal over your heart. Woo! Like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. It's jealousy, unyielding as a grave. It burns like blazing fire. He says love's power is, is more powerful than, than the welcome by Brother Blaze Fumba right there. And if you're dead after Blaze's welcome, then there's something wrong with you. You lack love for God. Blaze will get you fired up in the Lord right there. Amen? That, that's a John the Baptist welcome. See, if you ever wonder where the welcome is, it's John the Baptist welcoming Jesus Christ. One preacher welcoming another. That, that's, a, that's a welcome right there. But he says, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers can't wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be 
utterly scorned right there. Now, of course, he says, place me like a seal on your arm. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, when, with the Jews, what they would do is, usually the seal was a ring. Okay? And usually in that ring, there was an insignia. The king had a ring, and it had either uh, the emblem of his country or something, some kind of insignia. That was usually, usually the seal. And, of course, the, 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 in Song of Solomon, it says, like a seal on your arm. But the seal typically was a ring, and what would happen is you would, they would take hot wax and pour it on a document, and then the, the ring would be, they would stamp the ring in, in the wax. And that, that ring would, would seal who's written the document, saying, this is mine. So if the king put his seal, the king was saying, this is mine. In the same way, the ring and the seal is, is us saying, you know what, God. You're mine. But more importantly, God allowing his son to die on the cross to give salvation to us and us being God's, us being the seal of God's approval. The fact that we are saved disciples. Showing how much his love is manifest through baptisms. It says for love is as strong as death. Love is, love is powerful. It says it's as strong as death. It says it burns like a blazing fire. It's passionate. And then it just says it's strong as death. How long is death? It's permanent. It, newsflash. Death is permanent. You see what I'm saying? If you die, it's over right there. There's no resurrection unless you're Jesus Christ. Unless you're somebody who's not in love with God, you may need to get spiritually resurrected so you can be alive for the Lord. Are you guys with me right there? But love is, death is permanent. And so what he's saying here is love is permanent. True love. God's love is, God doesn't take his love away. We can stop being in love with God, but God will never stop loving us. Why? Because his love is permanent. Love is passionate. We see that with the blazing fire. And more importantly, it says it can... Many waters can't quench. Love is powerful. Love is powerful. God's love is powerful. Now, I read this passage, of course. It really helped me out just to go, wow. It's all about love. It's all about our love for God, God's love for us. And because of that love, it motivates us. It motivates us. I had a dream. <laughs> This is not a preemptive Martin Luther King speech. I had a dream. And uh, disciples were in this dream. I had a dream about love. It's good to dream. We're going to have a conference called Men Who Dream. It's good for us to start dreaming, amen? So I had this dream. And it was a, it was a dream where different disciples were singing songs. And all the songs were about love. And, you know, song is powerful. Song was created by God, yeah. first of all. Music is powerful. Yeah. It is powerful. It was created by God. Satan's using it. Yeah. But we understand music is of God. And in this dream, everybody was singing songs. And they were all songs of love. And the first person in the dream was Simon Oxton. And Simon was singing a, a, a song. He was singing Huey Lewis and the News, The Power of Love. And I saw Simon there. That's the power of love. Feel the power of love, yeah. He was singing that song. He was singing it to Carl. And he was singing it to Carl, highlighting Carl's intense love for her children. That's the power of love. And of course, we understand that love has motivated not only her to be an incredible mother, but to see her daughter be baptized, Simone. And I thought, that's a, that's a great dream right there, the power of love. Well, there are some others that were in my dream, and there are some other songs. There was a song by Nat King Cole called, When I Fall in Love. And, you know, when I fall in love. And of course, th there were disciples in my dream, no kidding, guys, who were singing this. And these were two single disciples, Jen Watkins and Steve Frazier. They were singing When I Fall in Love by Nat King Cole. 
know why they were singing that song, but that was in my dream. You know, then there was another disciple that was singing. This was a French disciple. And they were singing Van Morrison's Have I Told You Lately That I Love You. This was our sister, Tiffin, singing to her husband, Jeff Baker, right there. And at the end of it, she said it in French, Je t'aime. in my dream guys I'm just sharing I'm just being vulnerable here Nick Donnelly was in my dream and he was singing Al Green's love song let's stay together he was singing that song of course there were a couple of more singles in my dream right there singing love songs because it's all about love and these disciples were singing John Travolta and Olivia Newton's John's you're the one that I want do that to do the love you know that one there, right there. And of course, you know who that was. That, that was none other than Leanne and Trina Turner. They were singing that song. And then there were some tough disciples in my dream. They were singing about love. Can you believe it? They were singing Diana Ross's song. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough to keep me from you. That was Ollie and Eugenie right there. I was seeing, baby, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough to keep me from you. No valley has kept him because she's pregnant. Amen. There are a few more. There, 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 was, there was a disciple singing Stevie Wonder's song, I Just Called to Say I Love You. Blaze Fumba, who had called Patricia Fumba from the airport in Lagos, <laughs> just to say, honey, I'm coming home. I'm still alive. <laughs> I love you. And in the last one, you know, it, it was it was it was this disciple singing this Beatles song. The Beatles song, I want to hold your hand. He wanted to hold her hand because he was leaving her behind because he walked so fast. And of course, that was James Morgan right there singing to Deirdre. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. Amen? John chapter 21. It's all about love. John chapter 21. You guys still with me here? We're going to look at the end of Jesus' ministry. We're going to look at the, the apostle of love, John, of course. Well, we're going to look at an interesting time in the ministry of Christ where the disciples had forgotten about the power of love. They'd stopped holding Jesus' hands. They'd stopped saying, you're the one that I want. And they went back to their old life. And that's what happens when you fall out of love with God. In John chapter 21, we're going to pick it up here, but of course Greek was the known language at that time, and in the Bible, there are really three words that, that indicate and highlight love that the, the, the writers of the Bible use. Number one, the word eros. Eros is used to indicate love in the New Testament. Okay, when the word eros is used, it's usually, and eros is, is meant for a physical love, the love of a man and a woman. The next word means more of a friend. It's phileo. It's not a deep love. It's just like a friend. You know, hey, that's my buddy. He's my pal. It's my friend. Phileo. I phileo you. Okay? And the third is the love that God has for us and that he calls from us. It's agape love. That's a love while hurt. A love that loves when it doesn't understand. A love that's high enough, wide enough, deep enough to overcome anything. Right. That's the love that God has for us. But more importantly, it's the love God calls us to have for him. Are you guys with me here? John chapter 21, verse 1. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. 
going out to fish. Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Then we stopped right there. And as I read that, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Wait a minute. This isn't what Jesus told you to do. You're supposed to be going out to share your faith. They fell away. They went back to their old life. They went back to how they were living. Instead of fishing for men, they went back to fishing. And it hit me. Because in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, Jesus called them to come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You remember when you were called to go and make disciples? Do you remember when you were called to, 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 to follow Jesus and to make fish, to be a fisher of men? Do you remember that? I remember it. I remember the day I was called. And yet when I don't want to live up to that life, I can want to go back to my old life. You guys with me here? That, that's what happened there. They went back to their old life. How long had it been? It had been about two years since they'd been called. And after two years, they were, they, they, they quit on Jesus. And of course, Peter's leading the charge right here. Peter's the guy who's, who's leading it. Who went back to his old lifestyle. Now, seven of the 12 guys that God called, they were fishermen. Why? Fishermen are tough. Fishermen are focused. Fishermen don't quit. I mean, if you've ever gone fishing, you sit out there, you don't catch something right away all the time. Fishermen are patient. Fishermen are willing to do the dirty work to get in there and get those scales off. Clean, those, clean that fish. Fish are, fish are dirty. You got to clean those fish. And we see why God used that analogy for fishing after us. Because we need a lot of cleaning, do we not? We need to get under those gills and all that stuff and, and, and clean us on up with the word of God. And sadly, here Peter had gone back to his old life. Now you got to think about this. Peter, this was a guy who, who, who went, right before Jesus was crucified, in Matthew 26, verse 33, Peter said, if everybody deserts you, I, I never will. That's what Peter said. Yet here, he fell out of love with God. This is Peter who in John chapter 13, verse 37, said, Jesus, I'm willing to die for you. Yet he fell out of love right here and went back to his old life. This is Peter, who in Mark chapter 10, verse 28, said, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. Yet right here, he's gone back to his old life and fell out of love with God. And of course, my favorite, this is, this is the Peter who, you remember when Peter, he tried to machete the, the, the guard right there and all, he only took off an ear? He wasn't trying to take off an ear. He wasn't saying, hey, let me see if I can, he was trying to kill the guy. This is that Jesus who stood, or that Peter rather, who stood that bold for Christ. Yet here, he's going back to his old life. And all those words meant nothing. Dare we say, actions speak louder than your words. Much louder. And the actions that are speaking here is they've gone back to their old life. And that can manifest in your old way of thinking. Your old doctrine. Your old opinions. Your old view can come back on you when you fall out of love with God. You guys still with me here? Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples totally realized it was him because they were close to God, right? No. It says, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. That's a scary place. When you cannot see God. You don't realize it is God. And you know, when we go back to our old life, we don't see God in the church. We don't see God in discipling. We don't see God in the things that are of God. We don't see God in commitment. We can see, we can see man and not see God. And we coined a phrase in a church in Portland, Oregon, where I was, I was baptized. When someone stops being close to God, they get man-focused instead of God-focused. Are you with me here? Yeah. And that, that, that was, that's a true statement. Yeah. I know for myself, when, when I'm not right with God, I can get focused on the individual. Why did you say that to me? What did you mean by that? Why are you reading me that scripture? You know, you get, you get suspicious. What do you mean? And you, you can be man-focused 
instead of God-focused. Are you guys with me here? They got a little man focus right here. They didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends! Woo! That must have stung. He didn't say disciples. He called them friends. Haven't you any fish? No! They answered. Well, the reason is because apart from him, you can do nothing. As he said. And we know that as Christians. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were not able to haul the net in because there was such a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said, Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. But they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals with a fish on it and some bread. Jesus was making a cranking barbecue right here. This is breakfast with Jesus. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come. Have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. I mean, they were afraid to admit where they were at. They, they didn't want to say, we've fallen away and you nailed us. They just, okay. You know how you get that way? Leader comes around you and you're just like, hey, bro. How, how you doing? You just kind of head down right there. You know. That's where the disciples were at right there. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, the word for love right here is the Greek, agape. So the word that Jesus uses is do you truly agape me? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I Phileo you. That's the word that Peter uses. The word in Greek is phileo right there. He says, yes, I, I'm your friend. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you truly agape love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I, you know that I, I'm your friend. I love you. I phileo you. Jesus said, Appreciate your words, but take care of my sheep. The third time he said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? But the word for love right here that Jesus used is phileo. So Jesus says, are you even my friend? Are you even my friend? He uses the same word that Peter had been using the whole time. So are you even my friend? was hurt. Uh-oh. <laughs> Our verse 17 says, the third time he said to him, Simon, do you truly love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And we stop right there as Jesus says, feed my sheep. This is an incredible account of Jesus exposing whether Peter really loved him. Through these different, different words. Do you really love me? And Peter says, yes, I'm your friend. So do you love me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm your friend. And then, and then Jesus gets ticked. He goes, okay, are you even my friend? And then it hurt Peter. See, sometimes discipling hurts sometimes. And Jesus had to kind of, but Jesus was loving him. Because he was telling the truth. He had fallen away. And he had to help him see where he was at. We've got to ask ourselves this morning, and I had to ask myself, do I truly love God? This week, have I truly loved God? Or have I just been a friend? Have I just been God's friend? Or have I had that agape love that loves even while sick? God, why'd you make me sick? I still love you. I'm not mad at you for this. <laughs> See, true love loves while hurt. 
True love loves when you don't understand. True agape love is the love that God calls us to have. A love for everybody, everyone. That's unconditional. That's unconditional. That means without a condition. And this is the thing that can rail some who are singles. It railed me as a single. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, to keep me from becoming conceited, there was given me a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. The only thing that God promises is his grace. He doesn't promise some awesome wife. He doesn't promise some awesome dating relationship. He didn't promise you an incredible job. There's no entitlement with Jesus. He didn't owe you anything. You don't even deserve life. We don't deserve life. It is a grace that we are even alive today. It's God's grace. And he just tells Paul, my grace is enough for you. But we always got to ask ourselves, is God's grace enough for you? Is it enough to sustain you? Is it sufficient? Do you really love God or are you just a friend? To love God, you've got to love the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You guys still with me here? You've got to love the truth if you love God. I love what Paul says here to the church. But I love to hear, I love to hear truth. It, it stings sometimes, but you've got to hear truth. I know when me and Michelle dated, she, she told me quite a lot of truth. It stung, but we're still married. And we got married, rather. I remember studying the Bible. I didn't even know what pride was. They asked me, they said, hey, they go, you're very prideful. I go, what's that? I mean, like, confident? They go, no, 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 no. No, you're very proud. And they went and they showed me scriptures on pride, and I just went... I got, I got shorter, I felt, as the Bible study was going on. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. But it was the truth. And I had to wrestle with those things to become a true man of God. I love Bill Gates here. Bill Gates said some things. To, uh, Bill Gates was a Harvard dropout. And he was, they thought he wasn't going to do anything great in life. You went to Harvard, but you dropped out. You had your chance, but you're not going to do anything great. And yet we know what happened with Bill Gates. He's gotten, he's, he's gotten every one of your pocketbooks. He's done some great things. And yet, Bill Gates gave a, a speech at a high school about, and of course he laid out some things that are truthful statements. And, you know, love him or hate him or, 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 or get down on him. I, I think there's a lot of truth in what he said. And he was talking to the younger generation about embracing reality and embracing a life of truth. And he said this, and he, and he, and he left his 11 commandments of truth. And he says, as he got up to speak to this group, he says, uh, number one, life is not fair. Get used to it. There you are. Yeah, that's it. Number two, (laughs) the world will not care about your self-esteem. The world will expect you to accomplish something before you feel good enough about yourself to do it. That's truth number two. (laughs) Number three, you're not going to make $60,000 a year right out of high school or even out of college. You're not going to be vice president with a cell phone. You need to earn both of them. Number four, if you think your teacher is tough, wait till you get a boss. (laughs) Number five, flipping burgers is not beneath your dignity. Or for London, working at a kebab shop. Your grandparents had a different name for burger flipping. They called it opportunity. Number six, if you mess up, it's not your parents' fault, so don't whine about your mistakes. Learn from them. Number seven, before you were born, your parents were not as boring as they are now. They got that way from paying your bills, cleaning your clothes, listening to you talk about how cool you are and how skinny your jeans are. So before you go off and do anything great and think you're awesome, clean your room. 
Number 10, we'll skip over a couple. Television is not real life. In real life, people actually have to leave the coffee shop and go get real jobs. And lastly, he says, be nice to nerds. Chances are you'll end up working for one of them. That's some hard-hitting truth right there. Hard-hitting truth. But there's a lot of truth in that statement. As we can live in a society that wants to give up an excuse for everything that we have in life. Oh, you're not doing excellent? It's your parents' fault. Oh, you don't have a good job? It's because of the government. Oh, you don't have this, it's that, and we blame. And we don't take any responsibility and tell ourselves the truth. To love God, you've got to love the truth. Do you love the truth? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. Do you remember that when I was with you? I used to tell you these things. Now, you know what's holding him back. So that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one who holds it back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they don't understand the truth, and so be saved. Is that what it says? They perish because they don't believe the truth, and so be saved. Ah! says they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Well, what happens when someone refuses to love the truth? Well, God blesses them. How does he bless them? For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Right here, Paul was saying, People perish because they refuse to love the truth. In John chapter 17, the Bible says, your word is the truth. So we know the Bible is the truth. The truth is absolute. It is not inclusive. It is exclusive. It does not include include opposing ideas. And it is not relative. That means it's relatively true. The truth is absolute. That means if it's true for me, it's true for you. It's true for all of us. You guys with me here? And right here he says, people perish because they refuse to love the truth. And so God sends them a powerful delusion. Now, we read this for people that we believe have a false teaching on doctrine. And we have deep convictions on that. We say, hey, who are the, the, those who are Jehovah's And this is not to be down on people. This is just to lay out the truth. Who are the Jehovah's Witnesses to, to change the Bible and create their whole standard? Oh, they're lost. God has sent them a powerful delusion. And we can say that. Who are those who are Mormons? To create their own book. God has sent them a powerful delusion. They're totally lost. Who are all these individuals who claim that the way to salvation is Allah? God has sent them a powerful delusion. They're even, they're even satanically committed and dying for it. Who are these people? God has sent them. But you know what? The powerful delusion can be just bitterness. Powerful delusion can be God sending you a lie. A lot of folks that are angry and bitter, they believe in it. It takes energy to be angry. It takes faith to be bitter. You've got to believe in it. You've got to believe, you know what? When things are going terrible in my marriage, I'm just going to get bitter. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. We've got a guy that comes to our open mic, and of course I love his song that he sang last week. Stop punching the mirror. Bitterness is you're just punching the mirror. Yet when you don't believe the truth, God could send you that powerful delusion. And you can believe in bitterness. You cannot believe that God has called you as a husband to be a leader. And so instead of embracing leadership, you embrace laziness. And you can literally have faith in your laziness and believe in it. And that can be the powerful delusion to stop you from believing that God has called you to be a leader and He can bless you. You can believe that women are just to be viewed as physical objects and spend your life how I did, struggling with internet pornography and lust. And you can actually have faith in it 
until someone reads you the truth. You guys with me here? Yeah. You can be a woman who just holds on to your criticality and you can have faith in it and believe in it. And when things get tough, you just be critical instead of going back to the word of God that teaches that God is sovereign and that he's trying to teach you something through that uncertainty. The powerful delusion can come even on us as disciples. Where God sends you something that, 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 because he wants it to be clear what a true Christian is and what one is not. Do you love the truth? You know, one of the, one of the, one of the individuals I love today, and it's of course a highlight of our service, is a young lady who studied the Bible, young Brazilian lady, by the name of Beatrice. Now Beatrice, it's awesome she's got her brother with her here today. So I, that, that, that moved my heart. Seeing, seeing, seeing little brother stand there as a, as a big brother right there. Protecting with a sister right there. And uh, you know Beatrice, she, she wrestled with a few things as she studied the Bible. She wrestled with whether she was really saved or lost. And the sisters laid out what the Bible teaches. And she wrestled with it. I could tell. I saw that wrestling look in her eyes a couple times. She's got this beautiful smile. But after a few weeks of Bible study, the smile went kind of like this. <laughs> and she kind of had this little mm, like, like that right there and then, and then all of a sudden after a few more Bible studies the, the smile was even bigger right there she had to wrestle with seeing that she never was a Christian she had to see that in the Bible she had to wrestle through other things but at the end of the day she said you know what I want to believe in the truth and she's come to be baptized today she's come to be baptized today You know, when I think of truth and I think of believing in the truth, I think of, I think of a scripture in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. It says, and there was a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Tyatara, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord had opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. And when she was baptized, her household, she sought, wait a minute, that's a different translation. Let me read the NIV translation. Come on. Acts 16, verse 14. It says, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Tyatara, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And of course, this woman cranked. She believed in the truth. She became a believer and her whole household got baptized. And so in my dream, the song We Are Family was playing in my, my mind. And that was my sister Leah right there. She was singing that song. And of course, just yesterday, her husband came and Ray got baptized in the Lord right there. Because they believe in the truth. They believe in the truth. To love God, you've got to love the truth. Are you in a church that preaches the truth? Are you someone who believes the truth? Are you willing to put the scriptures over your opinion? Are you willing to put the scriptures over your feelings? Feelings are true, but it, uh, it's true that we feel things, but feelings are not the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The truth is the word of God. Yeah. To love God, you've got to love the truth. You gotta love, we've got to love one another. That's our next point. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. You say, how are we going to love one another? Well, let's, let's go down the line. We've got to start loving our spouse. Yeah. Any marriage in the house? Yeah. We've got to love our spouse. Do you love your spouse? Oh my goodness! Blaze, what's going on? Woo! We got to talk about this one right here. First Peter chapter three. Let's get the love back right here. Wives, any wives in the house? In the same way, be submissive to your awesome husband. So that if any of them do not believe the word, 
they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And that's exactly the opposite of what women do. They want to win you over with their speech. Well, uh -huh. <laughs> let me tell you exactly. Z formation right there. God says, no, 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 don't do it with words. It says, when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair, wearing gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of an inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Not in the world's sight, but in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, woo, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the stronger partner. I mean, after all, your wife should be doing all the work. She should have all the faith. She should have all the conviction. She should do everything. I mean, she's just as strong as you. No, it says treat them with respect as the weaker partner. As heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. He says treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Doesn't say that husbands are better than wives. These are just God-ordained roles. Yeah. Having the leadership role doesn't mean you're better. Oftentimes, God uses that leadership role to disciple you. And having that submissive role doesn't mean you're less than. God uses that submissive role to disciple you. To help you to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do you love your spouse? Do you love your spouse? Let's try it out here. Sarah called Abraham her master. Sisters, I want you to turn to your husband and say, I love you, master. I'm waiting. We're just going to love the truth right here. I want to see how many sisters are willing to say, Blaze, I love you, my master. She said it right there. She's the first one. Amen. Amen. How about other married sisters? Any married sisters willing to say? As the Bible says that Sarah called her husband her master. Are you willing to look at your husband and say, I love you, Master Jock. She's willing to say it. That's submissive right there. That's spiritual. That's very powerful. Now, let's turn to the husband's. He says, husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, you need to be willing to say, wife, I'm willing to do anything so that my relationship with God is not hindered by our marriage. I'm willing to allow anything to go on in our marriage and to still be a man who is close to God and is going to take the leadership role in our marriage. That means if our marriage is doing bad, it's my fault. If our marriage is not on fire, it's my fault. If our marriage is boring, it's my fault. If we don't have enough to take care of the kids, it's my fault. God has called me to take full responsibility. And so husbands, I want you to look at your wife and say, when things aren't cranking, it's my fault. Even Ziff did it right there. Look at that. Even Ziff did it right up front. We've got to love our spouses, guys. Satan is tearing marriage apart. Why? Because the word of God isn't in there. The Bible isn't the standard. We've got to love our spouses. We've got to love our kids. Gotta love our kids, amen? Yes. I want to call the fathers in the house. Yes. You don't love your wife, your kids will see that. You don't take care of your wife, if you're the lazy husband, and you're an unresponsible husband, your son will grow up to be an unresponsible man. You don't take care of your wife, you're unresponsible, 
Your daughter will grow up to embrace all the unresponsible men she can find. And she'll marry somebody just like you. We gotta love our kids. We gotta take care of our kids. We tear down the leadership structure in the house and your opinion becomes so dominant that you won't allow your husband to be the leader. You produce children that don't believe in leadership. You produce a rebellious son. You produce a rebellious daughter. We gotta love our kids. But not based on our opinion, based on the truth. Based on the word of God, we gotta love our kids. We gotta love our kids in the church. We gotta take care of them. Spiritual kids and physical kids. You guys still with me here? We gotta love one another. I wanna talk to the singles. We got the singles in the house. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm coming in for a landing, don't worry. Hebrews chapter 3. This is a very confusing scripture. But let's see if we can figure it on out. Verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I mean, that's kind of confusing. Is this not being told outside? Or this outside of the yellow line? It can't be told outside. Yeah, you need to go to your car. Yeah, thank you. Verse 13. <laughs> but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful, is it not? It's tricky. It'll fake fake you out. You'll think, it'll get you. You know, I got sick and I I was down and I thought, oh man, I can't have a good quiet time. I can't. And I started going, man, you're starting to get deceived. So I said, no, 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 I'm going to fight this thing. I'm going to have a longer quiet time. But I started getting deceived by sin. Sitting there feeling sorry for myself. I can't be at the freshest fair sharing my face and getting all down on myself. And I go, wow, that's apathetic. That's pathetic. You need to get in your scriptures and not, not, not get down on yourself. But sin is deceitful. But he says encourage one another daily. Amen? Yes. You know, we had a great dating devotion on Friday night. Yes. And of course, a lot of the campus were there. I encourage the singles to come on out because we're going to keep talking about this subject quite often. And we just talked about dating in the kingdom of God. And we laid out great practicals for dating. How to make dates awesome. How to be inspirational. We talked about disciples only date disciples. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39. Amen? Amen. Christians only date Christians. Okay? Now you think, oh, that's an obvious one. But I actually had to talk to a couple of disciples afterwards that said, well, can I go date somebody that's in a church that doesn't teach the truth? You can't. Do you love God? Do you love the truth? If you love the truth, you'll... Okay, and so we had to have a conversation. It was great, amen? But we talked about dating. And the challenge was, we don't even have to do what this scripture says. It says do it daily. Encourage one another daily. But I want to challenge you to go on a date every single weekend. I want you to go on four dates a month, at minimum. Date number one. Shreen is with me right there. Date number one. I want you to encourage a brother or sister. I want you to go on a date with somebody that you like. Some of that you like. You know, you get that little feeling right there. Little, that little twinge right there. It's not big, but it's a little... You talk to them, it's that little thing. You know, it's right there. You like them. Date number two. Go on a date with somebody you don't like. Tell yourself the truth. Me and brother so-and-so just don't hit it off. That's the truth. We're working on our relationship. You need to go on a date with that brother. You need to go on a date with that sister. We talked about going on a date with someone that you, know, you don't know. I don't really know that sister. I don't know her life. I don't know what she gave up. I don't know what her struggles were that she had to overcome to get into the kingdom. You need to go on a date with that person. Right? And then the last one is you need to go on a date with someone who's just a friend. There's no little twinge there. There's nothing. You're just, you're cool. You just hang out. You have a good friendship with each other. That's four dates a week. Now that's not even daily. Amen? That's four, four dates a month, rather. Registration number T seven seven one ABL is gonna be turned up if you're not there on time. T seven seven one ABL. You need to get your car. Thank you. Okay, amen. Little distraction from Satan. Hopefully that's no one's car. <laughs> but I challenge the church. We we gotta go on dates. Yeah. Dates are for encouragement. 
Yeah. And I just say, hey, you don't take sisters out? You got men who are not living in the truth that are hitting on sisters. Yeah. And they're not bashful. They'll tell them. Ooh, you're, you're, they'll, they'll say some worldly things. And if sisters aren't living in the truth, they'll get sucked into it. But you got brothers the same. Where, where women are going after the brothers. I had a conversation with a brother. And he just came to me shaking. Just like, wow, my ex went after me. And it just was a challenge. I said, bro, you, you stay away. You put her in contact with the sisters, and that's it. He goes, amen, bro. It was awesome. Just his heart to love the truth. But I challenged the disciples. Now, here's the awesome thing. A lot of disciples set up their four dates. A lot of disciples. But here's what exposes how much we love one another. There were several disciples that didn't do it. Several. There were several disciples that flippantly looked at me. <laughs> yeah, I'll get around to it. No, the issue is you don't love. You don't love disciples. You got a back door in your heart. That's why you don't want to take people on dates. You're selfish. You think dates are all about money. Dates are all about encouraging. I wanted some incredible dates with my wife. Completely broke. Giving her my heart. Building her up. Spending time with her as a, as a Christian man. Showing her that Christian men don't need to be focused on the worldly things that worldly men are focused on. And the fact that there were so many people that didn't set up dates shows a lack of love in our young people. Yeah. And I just shared a story. When I got baptized, I, I got a plate of cookies. I had a sister cook for me. I had cards. And I didn't even know these sisters. They just wanted to encourage me. Because I would made the good confession that Jesus is Lord. They, they, they just gave me that. Why? Because they loved. They wanted to encourage me. Now prayerfully, if you're one of those disciples that didn't set up a date, you'll repent after hearing that point right there. Amen? Amen. And you'll set up your fourth date. And maybe even take it beyond that and get five or six dates. And who knows? You even could wind up dating. And if you wind up dating, you could wind up falling in love. And oh my gosh, you may even get married. That may happen to you. Are you with me here? It's a good thing. Go talk to Ola Kukoyi. It's a good thing. He's still got that smile. And lastly, we need to love, well, let me hit a couple of other things. We need to love one another by reading a good news email. We need to know what's going on in all of our churches, guys. We need to know what's going on down in, in Los Angeles, in Chicago. We need to love one another by reading a good news email. If you don't get the good news email, you need to sign up for it and start loving your brothers and knowing what's going on in their lives around the world. It's not just London that we're a part of. We're part of a global network of churches that are evangelizing the nation in one generation. And some of us don't even know some what's going on in other churches. We've got to love one another by reading a good news email. And we've got to love one another by inviting people to the European Missions Conference. We've got to love one another. How many people you got coming? How many people you got coming? I've been going after every single person I know. Last night I had a long email correspondence with someone who studied and came and was coming around. Prayerfully today he's going to get registered. Prayerfully today he's going to get registered. You're going to have to wrap your arms around him because he was, you're going to have to register, you know. But we need to love one another. And lastly, we need to love the lost. We understand that Jesus says he came in Luke chapter 19 verse 10 to seek and save the lost. We've got to continue loving the lost. Our faith goal as a church is three editions a week. Okay? Three editions a week. Now, this week we have two editions. That's awesome. But we've got to continue loving the lost by going after evangelizing not only those who are remnant, not only those who don't know the truth, but even those who have fallen away and say, hey, the light is on and the door is still open. You can come back home. You know, I was inspired by Jason and Sarah. Sarah, of course, she converted Kia Pope. And uh, Jason and Sarah, Jason Dimitri, they live uh, in Southern California and they lead our South region. And uh, this was their good news about going after the loss. These last two weeks we have been, have been flat awesome. A week ago it was a phenomenal to see three fired up young men, Mario, Leo, and another campus brother get baptized in our campus ministry. And one single from our singles ministry. And this Sunday, God followed it up with the baptism of a heartsy woman named Joyce. That will make seven baptisms in seven weeks. We're so grateful to see the grace of God working powerfully among us. Please continue to pray that we will preach the word boldly as we should. They're just preaching the word right down there. But we got to continue loving the lost, guys. we got to get people out to EMC we got to set up some Bible studies and really get this place rocking. The charge is very simple. Do you love God? Or are you a friend? Do you love your spouse? 
Are you loving your kids? Are you loving one another? And are you loving the lost? To God be the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot UK. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one